Not even a pandemic can stop the spirit of Christmas. Welcome to Talking With Our Mouths Full. And I'm Michael, and this is our Christmas special! Woo! Today we have a couple of wonderful guests here with us. First Wait, off, more than one? Yeah, more than one. First off, it is oh our craft goodness. specialist, Janine. Hey, Janine. Hello, how are you? Good. Are you ready? Because we're going to do a, your craft oh, I'm ready. later. I'm ready? ready. All right, yeah. all right. And then our main guest is an actor. A musician, a host, a podcaster, a Twitch so star. Talented. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. He looks darn good in a wig and has mad Photoshop skills that make me so, so jealous. He is the one, the only, Scott Dion Brown. Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello. Hey, Scott. How are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing good. Fabulous. And uh, really, really happy to finally have you on the show, man. It's uh, it's wonderful to be here. It's uh, I'm excited. I've and I'm here on the Christmas special, so I I, I put on my Christmas sweater yes. just to be uh, with the times. I love it's my Super uh, Mario. Uh, it's my Super Mario Brothers Christmas sweater. It uh, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing. I'm, As an Italian, I'm jealous. I want one. <laughs> yeah. I want I want that too. All I have is my uh, Mickey Mouse uh, Christmas ears on. Nightingale, what do you have there? My elf hat, because I like to work. Oh, it's so cute. (laughs) It's super cute. And and what's that, Janine? Oh, this is my... Oh, I can't see. This is my Christmas hat. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. I know. It's the best. Although, my husband tries to get rid of it every chance he gets, but that's okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to say your husband always tries to try it on. No, no, he okay. he wants nothing to do with cat sweaters or Christmas sweaters. So what? So that's that's a that's a, the ultimate combination. A right? He loves no 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 no. He loves like he loves red. He wears a lot of red. He's he can be very very festive, but like he's not. He doesn't like costumes very much unless it's for Halloween. So buy him a Grinch and, costume. I would. Love I'm, to not see him buy, in that. I'm not gonna buy. I'm not gonna buy a Grinch costume. <laughs> he has the body type for it. <laughs> He doesn't have he doesn't have like the pooch though. Like he's he's well, his, shove a his, pillow in there. Yeah, his tummy's pretty uh pretty flat. He's, he's so flat. Yeah. Lucky for him. <laughs> Not does, does he but... does he have the six pack too? I, I never looks so. He yeah well remnants. I mean he I, I think well I mean you know like the quarantine and he's a, you know he's a pretty fit guy but yeah. <laughs> Moving yes, on, yes. Your 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 husband's abs. Um, <laughs> it's, oh God! Uh, yeah, <laughs> we are still in the pandemic. Uh, we're in the middle of the, hopefully the middle. Actually, hopefully the end. I want this to be the end, but of the second yeah. wave, and it is going to make Christmas a little bit, let's say, different this year. So, um, what kind of what kind of holiday plans do you guys have, Janine? Uh, oh, me, I guess. Well, I mean, you always have the the laid plans that you usually have, like the traditions, and you know, I have to, I my family, and then uh, my husband's family. So, we're hoping we're going to be able to see everybody 
but um we need to be really like careful like my grandma lives in a, like a assistance assisted living situation um and they're in, she's in toronto so she's currently on lockdown so we don't know i'm hoping i get to see her um i'm really lucky that um i pretty much have no social bubble it's really just my husband and me so i can go and see my my family and not have to worry about like giving them anything but with uh with simon's family it's a little bit different and he um he works still he's been working the whole time since since the pandemic started which is amazing um but he's very concerned so we're not really sure if the two of us will be visiting anybody i think it'll be me hopefully i'll get to go and see my family and if he feels comfortable hopefully he'll get to go too but it's kind of hard to tell so it could just be us and the pets what about you scott yeah i think my i mean at this point uh, there are there are no plans i mean yeah I'm, I'm in toronto so right now we are locked down and uh it's probably going to be a digital meeting up of family yeah. and it's sad because i mean every every christmas and same with thanksgiving and easter we always do um i've got a lot of family in in guelph and um a couple in barry out there as well but we usually all end up at somebody's house whether it's my parents house or one of the aunts and uncles um so this will be the first year where we haven't where we're not doing any of that um so yeah i, I think it's probably going to be on i've got a i've got a tree you've got a tree and uh zoom meetings probably and then they'll probably be uh we might drive up to my parents place one day and do like an outdoor gift exchange you know oh that's nice um, just you know here's your gift and then i'll throw them their gift and they'll they'll throw me mine and then, <laughs> then we'll jump in the car and drive away i don't know we'll figure it out but it's uh it's definitely it's definitely a little different this year so. yeah same like same with my uh my family usually uh we have dinner with my parents uh christmas eve and then on christmas day uh, my in-law side of the family comes over to our house for for gifts and stockings and a huge meal. Uh, but this year, yeah, everything everything is going to be digital. Uh, we are doing a secret Santa, and I have volunteered myself to be the uh, delivery person. So a couple of days Aww. before Christmas, yeah, I uh, basically am going to be driving to everybody's houses to pick up stuff and drop off whatever is needed obviously from a safe distance outside but uh that way you know we can then all hop on zoom on christmas day and do our secret santa our stockings everything and you can open all the gifts over zoom exactly okay. yes exactly. that'll be cool gonna, yeah no, it will be a lot of fun i'm kind of hoping we still kind of eat dinner together with our computers open as well but i don't, I don't know if that's going to happen uh, but I do, uh, outside of family stuff, like I plan on watching a lot of uh, Christmas movies, uh, eating lots of uh, Christmassy foods, and yes. uh, hopefully doing some Christmas crafts. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. Right, oh, God. <laughs> yes. Now we have your... Is that my... That's, yes, that's this my is your that's Christmas my segue. Corner. Yeah, your, that's your my Christmas segue. Yeah. Okay, so the craft that I, I want to talk about is like super easy... Um, I learned it when I worked at the craft store. Uh, I have one. I don't know where it is. So I can't actually show anybody what it looks like. Um, but I did take a screenshot so we can always, I can always put that up on my Instagram or you guys can put it up. Anyway, we'll, we'll, um, we'll put it up on our social media. Yeah. Perfect. 
So it's, um, it's a yarn wreath. Um, it's super easy to do. You get uh, like a chunky yarn and you don't have to do like the typical red and green if you don't want to. Uh, mine is blue with um, gold and you get the styrofoam rings from the craft store. And then with a hot glue gun, you can't use too much hot glue, but we, when you, you use a little bit and then you wrap it really tightly with the yarn. So it looks, it turns out to look like a wreath. And then you can either get a bow. Um, mine has a couple um, Christmas like flowers. They have like a little bit of gold glitter on it. Um, and you, yeah. And, and then you just take a little bit of the yarn and you make a little loop. And then that way you can put it on your door if you have a hook or you can just put the whole thing on it. Um, and it's really easy and it's really, really fast. Like when we did demonstrations at the store, we, I think the, the, the employee that was doing them did like six in a day. Like she did a lot. Um, and they're super easy and they are really easy. I would think that other than the hot glue gun part, it would be really fun to do with kids. Uh, let them pick the color that they want. Let them pick the, the decorations that instead of like a bow they can put, or they can put a bow and then put like a Lego figurine in the middle of it. Or, you know, like a, I don't know, any, anything really. You could put like a, an ornament from the tree, like a Santa Claus head or something, anything. The sky's the limit. Mar Mario and Luigi, you could put as well? Yes, yes. absolutely. Oh or yeah, Mickey. if you want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. or Mickey, <laughs> exactly. Or I don't know, you could craft a cat out of cat fur and put it on there. Yeah. <laughs> I a little Nightingale elf. You... Yes, yes. Oh man. Okay, we all have to make these. Yes, and absolutely. then show them and show each other. Well, that's such a good idea. And it's really, it's really cheap. Like, you know, you go into the craft store and you use your fifty percent coupon and you buy your yarn and you, that's you what get I your always do exactly. Yeah, and then you, you, I'm sure most of the styrofoam stuff you can get at the dollar store. Um, yeah, and it's just really easy. It's really fun to do in the for you know a snowy afternoon like right now, and then you know. You can make a bunch. You could use those as presents if you'd like, or you know, you have a you have right away. You have something to put on your door to let everybody know that you're ready for the holidays. I, I imagine it's also something easy, like if you can do it over Zoom too, like with friends, right? Yeah, so yeah. All watch each other make yours. And Zoom craft party. Yeah, exactly. And you and you could probably like I mean if you if you have this type of fan or not fan sorry friend circle, uh, you can do a race to see who can wrap the uh the styrofoam ring faster and then whoever although whoever... speaking of fans scott has a lot of them so scott you could do you could do like a little twitch stream where you can have a race up to make yeah i'll send you a, i'll, I'll <laughs> send you a fun, picture actually. i'll send you a picture they're a lot of fun to make so you basically wrap it you're basically sort of like um like stacking the like you're going you're kind of wrapping it each piece of yarn around 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 like this right so kind of making exactly and then you're butted event, up against then, each other all the way around yeah and then, and then um, you'll get to it. So like, you'll start by putting, securing the yarn at the top with the glue. You wait mm. for it to kind of saddle a little bit and then you wrap, wrap, wrap. And then once you reel, and then once the wrapping starts getting a little looser, then add you know glue. you need to add a little bit more glue and then you just keep going and going. So you usually only need to do like four points of glue. So huh. it's pretty easy. I've seen those styrofoam things, but I've never really known what they're for, but. I know, well, it's amazing. Like I, if no matter where you work in retail, you always see things and then you're like, what, what would, 
anybody do with that? And then somebody comes in, you're like, you know, you show them the product that they're looking for. And I'm like, well, what are you doing with this? And then they go on and tell you, and you're like, that's a great idea. It's the best. Yeah. So, I mean, and Christmas crafts, like you can even take like Halloween stuff and make it into Christmas stuff. Like when I talked about the little tissue ghosts, you can use the bottom of the ghosts and like draw a Santa Claus on the top and put like a little hat on it. And it would be so like the, the bottom of the ghost would be his beard, like silly things like that. That's genius. What can I say? <laughs> it's also built. It's also, you know, out of necessity, like, you, you know, we're not really supposed to be going out and getting, you know, going out for non necessities and craft stuff is kind of not a necessity, but if you have stuff that you could repurpose, then it becomes, you know, something different. And, you know, you, then you feel good that you're not a throwing out more things and b spending more money or going out needlessly and, you know, putting yourself at risk and your, your loved ones at risk. Yeah. True. That was a really, really, really good crafts corner. Thank you, Janine. Oh, thanks. No problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nightingale, we didn't get to you earlier. What are uh, your plans for the holidays? Oh, seeing my family over zoom, eating food, watching Christmas movies. Yes. opening presents Mm -hmm. speaking of christmas movies what are all of your favorite christmas movies uh scott it's a wonderful life oh it's a good one i watch that every year yeah i i i'm not a an adult movie chris an adult christmas movie person and i i have tried i tried so hard and i can't get into that movie i just uh... can't do it i just can't do it it's so bad i I think i tear up every time Oh, it's, and it's such a, I understand, like, it's such a great message. And like, you know, it, it speaks to how not everybody is happy at Christmas. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to get somebody's, you know, to to make somebody feel like they're in the Christmas spirit. So I understand, I get the message and I get the, the whole idea behind it. But like, you know what, it's the, it's his little daughter. I can't stand her. She's the worst part. Every Every time a bell rings, oh no, no, Susu's petals. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I do like Clarence though. I think he's a good character. You do, you you do fall in love with him because he's pretty lovable. Yeah, cool. yeah, he's uh he's almost like a weirdly he's like a Disney character in a lot of ways. Even his voice, like you, yeah. you see him as like if they made a Disney movie of it, he'd be like one of the animals, you know, like the animal sidekick. Be one yeah, of those. very. He's very animated and very um without you know throwing secondary characters under the bus he is very much a secondary character and like he is there to obviously to serve a purpose and the writing for him was just fantastic yeah so i like aspects of the movie obviously i just don't really like the movie (laughs) (laughs) so i'm I'm such a child i'm sorry i can't get into things like that so what holiday uh, or christmas movies uh, are you going to be watching then oh man well i made a list Three of them are Muppet movies. I love them so much. Um, I love Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. I don't. And and I I have like I've read a bunch of Charles Dickens novels, and um, his stuff is very bleak and very um, hard to get into sometimes because um, you just you 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 want things to go right and they never go right and you just please let things go right for these people and they never do um but with a christmas carol it's a little different because yes it's still bleak but then you get to the end and you're like oh he has been saved this is great 
So you're really happy. And then you just add the Muppets on top of that. And it's amazing. Um, I also, oh, so I put Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is like the old claymation movie, which I've been watching since I was like wee. Um, but I learned today, literally today, that reindeer and caribou are the same animal. The, the, the difference is, is that reindeer are domesticated and caribou are wild. Isn't that crazy? Right? I guess it makes sense because they, they've got, they wear reins. So it wouldn't make sense to call a caribou. A, a, yeah. So it's just a caribou that they put reins on it. I, I, my map, my mind was blown. I was like, I can't, I, I Googled it like three times. I changed the wording to make sure I wasn't just getting like me saying it out loud and the algorithm hearing me. It was, ins- I'm so excited about this. Cause like, That's and I always have thought, I'm like, man, they do look very similar, but like, obviously they're in the same, I just assumed they were in like the same family of species. Hmm. Craziness. Oh that is, that is quite the backbite. <laughs> you know, no. I contribute to the, to the confusion there is I was thinking about it because a, a caribou, there's also like deer, like Bambi style deer. And in the classic Rudolph movie, that's the type of deer that they, that Rudolph is. Yeah. The, the white tail, white tail yeah. deer. So maybe people think of reindeer. They think of that Rudolph, but really reindeer would be the caribou looking ones like the, the bigger. So, you know, yeah. It, less, it, less deer, more caribou. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really there good you. point. I mean, they are more powerful, so they can they can pull the sleigh and all the toys and Santa. That's true. That's true. You, yeah, you definitely need to be. Also, another thing fact that I learned, and I think I already knew this, but Ray, but Rudolph is Donner's son. What? Really? You learned that in the movie, but I never oh. thought about it until today when somebody mentioned it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. I oh. did not pay attention to that detail. So wow. crazy. Just wow. The more you know, so star swipe. So my Christmas movies, I know I mentioned this last year. Um, I, I love Trading Places. I love Scrooged with Bill Murray. And uh, I am definitely going to have to watch Die Hard again because I love oh. it. <laughs> I have the pop figures on my uh, on my Christmas tree every year uh, of, of John McClane and Hans Gruber. So, yeah. Nice. And Nightingale. That's so uh, cool. Elf and Tokyo Godfathers. Have you discovered any new movies? Tokyo? I forgot about that. Uh, I'll I'll browse on whatever's on Netflix, you know. I hear Dash and Lily is pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I potentially might be adding, it's an older movie. No, I mean, not that old, but Krampus, because my best friend Mario is totally into Krampus and he keeps making Krampus jokes. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to watch this with him. So I like I like the story of, of Krampus and like the, the whole myth behind it. I don't know if I'd want to see it as a movie. I you think never it, watched maybe, the, the movie? No. I, I feel like I just I know enough about the story of Krampus and the, the legends of Krampus and I, I don't need to actually see it. I'll have it in my mind. It's a little it's a little it's like PG thirteen in my mind as opposed to being like R yeah, in the theaters. Fair. That's fair. So I never saw the movie Krampus. Oh, you never saw the movie? It's done no. by the same people who did uh, Trick or Treat, the movie, one of Anna Packer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best movie, but, you know, you have a good time. I do I do recommend it. Uh, Nightingale, we have some Instagram questions for Christmas. Let's get yes. to those. 
What are your plans for the holidays? From Instagram, our listeners have said getting ready to move houses, making a gingerbread house, seeing my family on Zoom, watching holiday movies and Zoom party, and resting. Resting. Resting, yeah. That, that, is, that is important. Because we joke about... <laughs> yeah. Well, because we joke about, like, being home all the time and, you know, working from home and, like, not, you know, wearing our pajamas to, to work, so to speak. But I think that that also means that we're not really resting because you 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 know you go to work and then you come home and that's when you rest and if you're working where you typically rest it's got to be harder to that's true like it's got to be harder to to really break that that barrier like you have to have a spot to, to work and then you have to have a spot to relax and you can't just you know you can't just work on the couch all the time because ultimately that's where you go to relax at the end of the day so yeah, that's a good point. Plus, if you're if you're always if your workplace is right there, that temptation or it's just so easy to yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll just go over here and finish up this thing, or oh, you know, oh, they need to be send this email. And so I think, even though we are at home and it, you, the potential to rest is there, but it's also the potential that you never leave work as yeah. well. So yeah, that's a good point. There's always there's always emails and there's always you know extra things to to double check and you know yeah. People need to separate everything. Mm-hmm. Our next question. What's your favorite holiday meal, snack, or drink? We've got mm-hmm. chocolate oranges, clementines, turtles, peppermint mocha at Starbucks, and gingerbread latte. Yeah, I love the peppermint mocha at Starbucks. They're dangerous. They are so dangerous. I like peppermint tea. Peppermint tea is like good. Well, it's good. It's, it's good for your tummy and, you know, it's got, it's got, it's got benefits, but also it's, I don't know. It's just, I always thought that like, that, I don't know. I think there's a meme or something on the internet. That's like, um, everybody get ready. Uh, pumpkin spice season is ending and now it's time for minter. Mint. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. I, I, every, like there, I just think that mint is like such a staple for Christmas treats. Because everything's kind of frosty anyway. So, you, you know, you have that little bit of f- frostiness in your treats. Mm. Uh, are, are so excited. You, are any of you making a, a gingerbread house this year? Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever made a gingerbread house. Oh. Maybe, I mean, this might be the year to to do it. That should be that should be your Twitch video. Oh, yeah. That's you, making, you making a gingerbread house. You know, Good that, luck with the icing bag. They're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it's like a glue. You got to kind of work quickly with it. Or does yeah. it take a while? Hmm. That could be Sometimes fun. the bag is like really like cheap. So then like when you're squeezing a little bit, the bag will just explode. <laughs> Janine knows from experience. <laughs> yeah. That also, that also happened at the, when I worked at the craft store because like we would they would send like the kits like we would sell the kits and so they would want you to make one just to have on display and yeah i just yeah i'm not i'm not skilled also my my husband is a contractor and he builds houses for a living so i don't know if i feel like if i made a good gingerbread house it would be really really overly critiqued and i don't think i can handle that where i'll just be like listen i tried that's all that matters this is none of that is to code yeah never space the windows here (laughs) look at those 
look at those stairs. The, <laughs> those stairs are not safety. <laughs> they're not safety certified. What are you doing? Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Have you have you guys? It would be, it would be very strong afterwards, though. It would be. It would be. Yeah. He would critique it and then he would eat it because he loves gingerbread. So. Yeah. So maybe it if may I not just be like, up to code, but it's up to code from my stomach. It's up. Yeah. It's, it's up to taste code. Oh yeah. Code. This is not up to code. I'm gonna have to break it down. I'll yeah. deal with it. I'll I'll take care <laughs> of this. Nom, 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 nom. We need to we need to we need to demolish this right now. Yeah. Here, let me let me let me handle this. <laughs> no, no, I don't need your help. It's fine. So have you guys seen those like uh, like gingerbread house kits? But they're not gingerbread house. They're like branded. Like I made a gingerbread Millennium Falcon two years ago. I have oh. seen those before. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the other. I, I, yeah, the Star the Star Wars ones Star Wars were very. Ones, yeah. I remember cool. them. I remember them showing up, but I don't. I'm trying to remember if there's any like Disney. I, I think there's like Disney. The gears turning in your head, Scott. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'm thinking that would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, the, I will. I do highly. If they still make them, I still. I, I highly recommend the Millennium Falcon one. Like that one is is really well done and it's delicious. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so, oh yes. Yeah, so, so what what the holiday foods are uh, are are you looking forward to, Scott? Um, I mean, my my I always look forward to the, the main dinner meal. Um, although I guess although this year is obviously different for because of the pandemic, but also this is the first year that I've uh, I'm a vegetarian, so I wouldn't be eating the turkey. But that being said, I mean for me honestly, the turkey is kind of like the least important part. Like I I, I like I like my plate to be a mountain. So you've got the turkey, and then you've got stuffing, and you've got mashed potatoes and cranberries, and you know all the veggies and stuff. And then I like to try to get a bit of every piece of the food on every forkful. So when you like, when you, so when you eat it, you're getting everything. So if you took the turkey out of there, I feel like it would be okay. And I know that that's very like my other cousins and stuff always like to look at my plate because it looks like such a disaster area. Because then there's other people who like to keep their food separate. Oh, and mine's the okay. complete opposite. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because you're you're your fork full of everything is making me like, Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So, so by <laughs> the end, it's it. like, it just looks like this, 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 this strange ice cream pile or something. But, uh, so I do love that. And then I also just like sweets. Like I, I, I have a huge sweet tooth. It's why I, I purposely, I can't have sweets kind of in the house because they're just gone. Like I'll just, I can easily sit down and eat a whole bag of like licorice or cookies. Like I, oh. I'm not a just eat one type of person. So uh, but Christmas time, there's always so many sweets and candies coming my way. And I'm like, well, it's Christmas. So I, yeah. I'm just, I just go all out. It's good. It's good. It's good. So oh, I man. ordered some uh, Christmassy coffee from a company in the States called Bones Coffee. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Sorry, Bones B Coffee? Bones? bones? Like Bones. bones. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. Bones. And uh, oh, my God. I they have Because I ordered some. Uh, I ordered uh, some coffee like a couple of months ago from them like a, a chocolate mint coffee, a uh, butterscotch oh. coffee, and a, a pumpkin spice coffee. So they were they were so good. I'm like, okay, I'm going to check out their Christmas line. So I picked up uh, uh, fudge coffee, eggnog coffee, and chocolate oh. orange coffee. And I, I like... Oh, chocolate so, orange coffee. Yeah, uh -huh. That is so good. Uh-huh. I'm just... Uh, so, so wait, I, is this coffee... 
sorry, it comes as as like ground coffee already, or is it already like how is it? It's it's is, ground or beans. Like you choose oh. to have them, yeah, come as beans, or it's already ground for you. But you would need, yeah, like a coffee machine with a filter for you to put it in. But, Did you have you tried the eggnog one? Oh no, they haven't arrived yet. I just ordered it like a week. Oh, ago. they haven't arrived. Oh, okay, yeah, I was just gonna so say because like, like I would, really, I'd be interested to hear what that tastes like. I, I will I will do a little one minute video for our social media means, yes. Uh, copy of bonus yes. bites. Yeah, bonus bite. I haven't done bonus bite. Uh, speaking of food, we actually do have a food feature today. It's not really Christmassy, but it is uh, being Asian, being Chinese. Uh, it's it's a staple, and you know when I was home a lot, like for the holidays, a lot more. It's something I used to go out to eat with my parents. It's a place called Big Trio Wonton Noodle in Richmond Hill. And uh, Nightingale, why don't you? Oh, in Cantonese, it's called Dai Samyu. But Nightingale, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about this place? Yes, there are four locations of Big Trio Wonton Noodle, one in Richmond Hill, Unionville, Scarborough, and upcoming in Aurora. And today we'll be talking about the one in Richmond Hill, located at 9688 Leslie Street, Unit 1718. So back in 1992, the restaurant was originally called Wonton Noodle Restaurant, and it was it came all the way from Hong Kong, specializing in wonton noodles for over 25 years and expanding into the greater Toronto area. They have recently rebranded to what we know now as Big Trio Wonton Noodle to allow room for further innovation. So if you're ever in the area and looking for a taste <laughs> of Hong Kong in the greater Toronto area, look no further than Big Trio Wonton Noodle at one of their many, many locations. They are available for takeout, delivery, and are on Uber Eats. Mm. So yeah, the thing about uh, uh, Big Trio Wonton Noodle and restaurants like it, they're, they're traditional Hong Kong style noodle uh, restaurants or noodle joints. They have this smaller menu, uh, so you don't you basically what you're going to be getting is noodle soup or or lo mein, like which is no soup with the noodles, but you usually have just a choice of one or two types of noodles, like egg noodles and some kind of like thick noodles. This place also has rice noodles for you to choose. Mm. There's there's only like a limited number of choices for noodles and then a limited number of choices for for what you can put in it. So in this case, they have uh, wonton. Uh, shrimp, uh, dumplings, beef, cuttlefish balls, fish balls, and beef brisket. I think that those are. And what did you get, Michael? The options that they have. So I got the egg noodles, which is what I grew up eating. And I got it uh, take out, so it's in the container. I got shrimp, dumplings, and cuttlefish balls in mine today. Ooh. Uh, they also usually don't have a lot of other like appetizers or, or, or veggies, but you don't need many options because the traditional Chinese greens with oyster sauce is what you should. Oh, uh, yeah. Yummy. Yeah. So, yeah. Egg, egg noodles, especially like the thin egg noodles, they are for me, you know, they have that homey feeling to it, right? It's that, that traditional Chinese Hong Kong meal feel to this it's why i love this place it's why my parents love this place because they were you know originally from hong kong and uh yeah big trio is their food is delicious their food is absolutely delicious i cannot recommend them enough to all of you to try especially love their shrimp dumplings they're, because there are places when they they make the shrimp dumpling they put 
not a lot of shrimp and they stuff it with that paste stuff that holds the shrimp together. I don't know. Scott, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I know about the dumplings. I don't, I'm not familiar with the paste stuff, but I do know like you can, some of them you can open and there's just not that much shrimp in there. Yeah, but there's usually a, a, a I, as a food podcaster, I should know what the, what's in there, but I don't. But it's like a paste that they, they use to put, they mix it with the shrimp to be, allow it to kind of stick together and then they roll it into a ball and then they put, they wrap it, right? And yeah, uh, yeah like Hargau has the same stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It's just a different wrapper. So a lot of places I noticed, they have very little shrimp and they pat it with the paste and then they wrap it. So it looks like a big dumpling, but when you bite into it, it it's not very good. And it's just not- Well, I guess, cause it, it would be cheaper than the shrimp. That's the right, binder. it's a lot cheaper, but here, yeah. I'm going to take a bite out of this humongous dumpling. I'm so jealous right now. Like you can see, I'm... it's mostly shrimp. It's very good. I wish oh, you yeah. could do a better job. Yeah. It's it's mostly shrimp. And it's why I really appreciate them because they, you know, they, they're serious about their food. They don't, you know, they don't cheap out on you. And they're they're really reasonably priced, even on even on Uber Eats. So yeah, highly recommend it. How was uh how has your food situation been in the pandemic, Scott? How have you been eating? We've been ordering out a, a lot more than we ever have, um, which I know they're saying it's a good thing because we're supporting restaurants and things. So that kind of makes me feel less, I don't know, lazy or whatever. Because we usually we usually cook, but I we do we do like to order in. But we've been ordering. Um, I love ordering Indian food. Yes. We've kind of been switching. We've been we've been jumping around between. We'll do Indian. We'll do Thai. Um, sometimes we'll do pizza, and uh, Indian Thai. Oh no! We, sometimes we'll order sushi, and we kind of jump between those. Actually, you eating those dumplings? Like I, I used to love going for dim sum before like the pandemic, and. I just realized, because like I told you, I've kind of tried to become a vegetarian this last while. And it occurs to me now, I feel like it would be way harder if there wasn't a pandemic. Because when we go to dim sum, I love all of those different things, like including the shrimp dumplings you're eating and like all that, because I'm kind of not eating any any animal stuff. But that would be tough to not to not eat everything on the table. Um, but it's been pretty easy being a vegetarian, I guess, at home because, you know. We don't have any meat in the house, so. But yeah, it's been mostly mostly a lot of Indian food, which is makes me very happy. Any uh, any places you can recommend to mm-hmm. our listeners? Actually, probably yes. Except I I don't remember <laughs> any of the names of the places that we order from. We always go to the same place. One place I will recommend, actually, that's just because I remember it, is um, uh, there's a pizza place uh, downtown called Bellissimo's. And it was a place that before the pandemic, I probably walked by it a million times. And I don't even think it's on any of the Uber Eats places. You kind of have to call it di- directly. But I think it was Bellissimo's, Bellissimo.ca or Bellissimo's.ca is the website. But I remember I just always walked by there and always thought, oh, that's a place I should check out sometime. And it was finally just sort of when we were looking for places to order from, I finally thought of that place. And I was like, oh, what about that place that we always walked by and always wanted to try? And it's actually my favorite pizza, I think, in the city now. So I can recommend that place, um, Bellissimo's. I think it's called Bellissimo's. 
blissimo.ca but the pizza is super good and um again i I don't think they're on uber eats so you have to order directly but if you're in the downtown area toronto Mm -hmm. i would recommend it pretty good pizza thanks for your recommendation are you um so are you originally from toronto is that where you're born uh yeah i was born born right downtown and i was grew up in north york so yeah north york life life. i uh i spent a few years because i i was born in toronto uh, but raised in Scarborough, then North York, uh, just literally across from Ebel Aspen Square before ending up in Richmond. Okay. So yeah, whereabouts in North York are you from? Or where are you from? Uh, do you know where Fairview Mall is? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Around there? Right right near Fairview Mall is where I grew up. So I that was like Fairview that era. Fairview Mall. Oh, nice. Me, me too. That was like my, my, I remember before high school, but when I was like maybe grade seven and eight, I guess, elementary school, Fairview Mall was where, like, you know, me and my friends would would go and hang out whenever we, or either to go see a movie or like, I don't know, go to the dollar store there and buy. I don't even know what we would buy. Yo-yos probably. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you Candies. remember Fairview when Mall. the uh, when the movie theater was not where it was uh, where it's now? It was upstairs. Do you remember? That? I remember that. The famous players was upstairs. Rain- well. Yeah, well, it switched a few times, right? It was Famous Players, and then I think it became Rainbow Cinemas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now it's completely... That, that mall's changed so much. It's actually yeah, pretty it's nice bad. now. They all but, have. Uh, yeah. Well, even the dollar store. The dollar store used to be where H&M is. Yes. That's where the dollar store used to be. You're right. Did you ever go and, to the uh, store? Yeah. I, I used to... I, it was one of those things where the it store was always the store that... As a kid, it's like I, I have to go in there, but I never buy anything because I don't have any money. So like it was just always the store that I have to go in and like look at all the stuff that I wanted because there's nothing you can never get anything. Like the, no, the it store had. Geez, I never I haven't thought about the it store for so long. Does it even still exist? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the it store exists anymore. I think the uh, closest equivalent is either Hot Topic or actually uh, yeah Spencer's. Spencer's. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's right. The it store you can get like lava lamps and like yes. things to put under black lights and I, I always thought it was the coolest place and I don't think I ever bought a single thing but I just like to walk in it was like a little museum for a kid you know same here I never bought anything I look it's always just looking and then my parents will stand outside wait for me but I do remember when I finally went to university my parents bought me a lava lamp from there because I wanted once my entire life so Ooh. yeah <laughs> there you go yeah, finally got one thing. <laughs> um, okay, so you're born in Toronto. Now your name is Scott Dion Brown, but you're also yes. Asian. So where, what are your parents like? Uh, what are their ethnic backgrounds, and where are they from? Uh, so, so on my dad's side is where I get uh, Brown from. They're um, they've been in Canada. I don't know how long, but a long time. That my dad's side of the family. Um, I think it's British and some German. If you go back far enough. Um, so yeah, my dad's side is, um, uh, you know, Canadian for a long, long time. And my mom is from the Philippines. So her family came, uh, to Canada when I think she was 13 years old. Um, so although actually my mom's side, so she's from the Philippines, but her, her father, my grandfather is actually, um, he's Chinese, but I think, I actually don't know when he, if he was I don't know if he grew up in the Philippines or at what point he came from um, China to the Philippines, but so ethnically he's Chinese. Um, 
and then he met my grandmother in the Philippines. So, and then my grandmother is is part Spanish Filipino. So that makes me like Chinese Filipino, uh, Spanish Canadian. So yes, and the Dion, <laughs> and yeah. and my middle name Dion is my grandfather's name was Dionisio, and my my parents are naming me. They they kind of they thought Dionisio was too long, so they they just cut it in half kind of thing and gave me the middle name Dion. So so you you come from this like mixed culture household. What was it like growing up for you culturally? Um, in fact, the interesting thing about my uh. It didn't feel. I know I've, I've, well, even on my own podcast, I, I've interviewed people who are kind of in the same situation where they, they are, their families from somewhere else and they're growing up in Canada, say, I don't know, say a predominantly white area, for example. Um, my experience was really not like that at all. Like, I, I didn't really ever feel um, kind of like this, like I was different from anyone because my, my specific upbringing was um, my, my school in North York. It was super, I'd have to look back at the yearbook and see what the actual ethnic breakdown was because I can't fully remember. But as I recall, my class growing up was, I don't know if there was a majority of any race. At least I don't remember it being that way, right? Like I remember there was, there were kids from, from, from Lebanon. There were some kids from Egypt. There were some Filipinos. There was a Japanese kid. Um, there were several black kids from different places. And so I was so when I went to school from junior kindergarten to like three years old onwards, I was always the norm was everybody looked different. And also when you'd go to your friend's house, um, usually at least one, but sometimes both of their parents had some accent. But as a kid, I never knew. I never really uh, I didn't know what each accent was. It was just normal for me to go to somebody's house and the parents sounded different speaking English. And looking back, I think in my mind, it didn't even occur to me that they spoke that way because they were from somewhere else. It was just some people speak English and that's what they sound like. So I don't know, growing up, I just sort of felt like a, just like a, it was just normal that, oh yeah, you know, I go to this guy's house, I go to my friend Danny's house and their food looks like this. And then I'll go to my friend uh, Fabricio's house and their food looks like this. And I'll go, you know, and then I go to my house and my food looks like this. And so there, it was kind of this very, I don't even want to know how to describe it. It was almost a non-issue in that I just, we all just hung out together and had a, had a nice time. I don't know. It was a pretty nice childhood, to be honest with you. And then. That's sure. where we hope, yeah. you know, our community will be everywhere, right? That's what we want. Yeah. Where people can have yeah. all these different ethnicities, these accents, these backgrounds, and it's not really an issue. So it's nice to hear someone having grown up with that around them. Yeah, it was that I remember my my uh, like my mom told me a story once where um, my first two friends, I don't really remember it, but I was like, I guess I was three years old. And she says I was always talking about like, oh, my friends, all oh, these are my new. You know, oh, my, my two best friends. Right. And, you know, she. I was always talking about how I hang out with them all the time, hang out with them all the time. And then one day they came over and they were like, I want to say what their names are. Cause I don't know if they want me to talk about specifics, but anyway, they came over and they were like, like they, they were all just different races. Like when I brought all my friends over and my mom said, she was like, I don't know. She was just, I don't know, surprised, but she was kind of, she noticed how like 
she, I guess in her mind, she didn't know what my friends looked like, but she was kind of surprised that one, they all look different, but also none of us seemed to care. I don't know. I guess maybe that was, I think, cause that was probably different from what her experience was. I know she tells me like when she came to Canada and especially when she was with my dad, like they would get looks, right. Cause it wasn't really common to see like a, like a, a mixed race couple walking around. Um, so I think for her to see my experience, it was just a very, I don't know. I, I think she liked that she saw that, but I remember she, she remember, I remember telling me the story that she was like, I guess when I was describing my friends, maybe she, in her mind, like, I guess when someone's telling you about somebody, you have an image of what that person looks like. You just create it in your mind. Um, but it didn't occur to her that they would all just be, I don't know, completely different and it didn't matter at all. So yeah, I feel lucky that way. And as I, as I meet other people and interview them as well, I realized that it was a fairly unique experience and maybe it's more unique than, uh, than I've even realized. Like I thought my experience was pretty normal, but I guess it depends where you're, where you grow up and what your upbringing is. Mm -hmm. So what about at home? Like did your, did your parents teach you, uh, cultural traditions from their, their cultures or did you practice? I mean, yeah. I mean, so the, the Philippines is, um, it's predominantly Catholic. So like I was, I was sent to a, you know, Catholic school and my, my Lola, um, she was in fact, she, even as it is now, although not during the pandemic, but um, she's always in the summer months nowadays, she's usually lit, staying at my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And um, we always had relatives around and I grew up, you know, eating Filipino food and it was uh, so, yeah, I, I, the only thing I didn't learn and it's, I think it was just because, I didn't, uh, because my parents spoke English to each other, I didn't really learn Tagalog, the, the language Tagalog. Like the only time I ever heard it is if we go to my aunt's house and my mom would speak with my aunt. Um, so I didn't learn that, that part of it. But yeah, I mean, I was always exposed to it, to, to the cultural, you know, Filipino traditions through my just having the family around. M most of my mom's family is spread out across the U.S., but we, her, her, um, my grandmother was living in Toronto and her sister and also um, my mom's sister as well. So, so yeah, it was a nice mix. Of you things, at least like maybe have a, a basic understanding when you like uh, listening to te Tagalog or, or none. No, no, there's nothing I can say. I can say gusto kupo nangatas, which means I want some milk. And I think I learned that when i was just a kid but uh no you know you know the thing is my my it's useful looking back i've talked with my parents about it they're like oh we should have like spoke tagalog to you when you were growing up because yeah then i would have heard it but it just i don't know i i think at the time when i don't know my parents were just sort of busy you know raising us and stuff they didn't stop to think in those you know terms of things so they so yeah no I, I there's i wish it was and maybe it's one day i could learn it it's kind of one of those things that's on my bucket list that maybe i should try to learn some tagalog but uh as it is now no i can't really understand i i, I understand a handful of words you know so if i hear a word i'll oh you're saying that word but there's no i can't really string any sentences together didn't so. you sing a song in tagalog like when we first met around yes and that was done was that? by <laughs> That was done by listening to the song um, and imitating it, mimicking it, basically. So, And I'm told that I did a good job. 
yeah, I'm told that I could, I, I mimicked it pretty well. And maybe that's one thing that has rubbed off in that because I hear the accent enough and I hear it spoken. If I see it written, I can generally read it fairly correctly. So I guess that part I, I've internalized enough. Like I know what it's supposed to sound like. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like, well, for example, so I, I was able to rec record the song on YouTube, but then if you asked me to sing it live somewhere, it would be harder because I, I haven't necessarily, it's harder for me to memorize it like that, but, but YouTube's more forgiving. <laughs> so you, uh, you mentioned uh, eating Filipino food at home growing up. Well, what kind of, like, I don't know mm -hmm. much about Filipino food. Uh, so what are some dishes? That you uh, well, I mean the staple. Yeah, I mean the staple that you that we'd always have is um, pancit. I don't know if you're familiar with the pancit. noodles. Yeah, so that one's if you go to ninety percent of the time, if you go to any type of Filipino event, especially like a large gathering, there's probably going to be a giant thing of pancit there, like it's like a big. It's basically like glass glass noodles, like thin noodles, and there's like veggies, and um, that's good. It's not really my favorite thing though. But it's it's definitely was always there. Um, chicken adobo is another one. I don't know if you've had that. It's kind of like a it's what's well, chicken and it's in a it's in a sauce. I've never cooked it, so I don't even really know what's in it. But it's kind of sweet tasting, and it's really good. Um, in fact, actually, that's one thing that I would like to do when I get to see my grandmother again. Is I, I have been thinking, I've been starting to appreciate things more as I get a little older, and like I I would love to sit down with her and be like, can you show me how to make some of this stuff? Because she, like growing up, it was always this normal thing where like, you know, you, you come home from school and you just smell stuff coming, you know, and she was always cooking and, and uh, really just some of the best things. The, the weirdest part is I feel like it's hard for me to even explain some of the food because it, it never occurred to me to know what it was I was eating or what it was called. Like I know, for example, my Lola always used to make egg rolls, for example, and I would help her making them. You like, uh, you buy like the little squares of the dough and then you put stuff in it and you fold it and you use the fork to close it up and you fry it and stuff. So like, I used to love eating those, but what's weird is as your kid, like it, it, I never really knew what was, what, what am I eating that's the Filipino side and what am I eating that's the Canadian side? You know what I mean? And then I imagine there was probably crossover between them, right? As in like, you know, maybe my Lola would prepare it, but she knows that, you know, I like it certain things or I like this, these flavors. So yeah, like I'm describing those pancit and chicken adobo because I know definitely what those are called. But then there's a whole list of other things that you could you could show me. Oh, have you had this? Oh yeah, I've eaten probably all of it. But then I don't know a lot of what it's called because it was just, I come home and it's on the table and I just, I just dig in. But uh, it's really good. The only thing about Filipino food that I can say it's taken me a while to get into is a lot of the Filipino desserts I'm not a huge fan of. There, if you go to a Filipino party, a lot of the desserts are like, they're like these, I don't know if there's, um, it's kind of squishy. Mochi? mochi kind of, right? It's kind of like mochi. Yeah. But uh, yeah. It's pasty too, right? Yeah. It's sticky. And, yeah. With the ube. Yeah. Yes. And as a kid, I was, I never liked those. Now I will say my, my tastes have, are evolving and I can start to appreciate it more. But I remember as a kid, like if I, I would, I want like chocolate cake or like, you know, pie or something. And these things were like, they weren't even that sweet. They're kind of this more subtle flavor, which I think as an adult, you appreciate it more. But I, so I've been starting to warm up to them. But for a long time, I was not a fan of the 
sticky. I don't even know what they are, but but they're growing on me the, now. Are those the things that are rolled in coconut sometimes? Yeah, yeah, some of yeah. them. Yeah, 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 like little yeah, coconut. So yeah, 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 yeah. I've definitely had those before then. Yeah, they are uh, so good. Uh, you know what I found? I think it, it, it took a long time for me to get used to the texture. I think that's probably what it is. Like you bite into it and it's not, it doesn't break down the, especially, in fact, I even wonder now, I love mochi, but I wonder if I, as a kid, would I have appreciated mochi in the same way? I'm not sure. Cause I think again, the texture feels, it just took time for me to get used to the, I don't know, squishiness of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. So as an adult, uh, do you know how to cook any Filipino dishes? I can make fried rice pretty well. Um, I'm not sure though how how specifically Filipino it is, but then I guess fried rice is like that. You kind of you can put anything in it, right? It's like a, it's a good uh, it's a good dish to have, you know, end of the week when you can throw in stuff that's in the fridge. Um, so yeah, I can do that, but specifically cooking full Filipino dishes, no. I mean, I, I guess like, it's like I was saying. It's one of those things now where I've started to think about it where I'm like, I wish I knew, you know, how. Because like there have been so many times where even even when I'm in the kitchen, I, I mean, I guess I can make the egg rolls. I can make the egg rolls um, because I help. I used to help making those. But it was one of those things where I was always in the kitchen and like I have all these memories as a kid is of Lola cooking and, and preparing everything. But I, if you if you were to like throw me into the kitchen now and be like, okay, make 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 what she made. I would be I would be up the I'm trying to think of an expression. I'd be up the creek without a paddle or something. But I do want, it's on my bucket list. Again, I'd like to learn some of those things because, uh, you know, you get older, you get more uh, thoughtful about those things and also realizing that uh, there'll be a time when, uh, you know, we won't get to, she won't be able to make those things for us anymore. So, yeah. So moving uh, away from food, you are a performer, a multi, multi-talented performer. But were, did you always know you wanted to be to perform when you were young or yeah. is this something you kind of fell into later? Uh, no, it's the only, it's actually the only job I've ever wanted. I don't know. I'm not sure what age, but as far back as I can remember when I was a little kid there, the idea in my mind was that I was going to make movies and also be in them. And at the, at the time, at the time I didn't, um, I don't think I understood as a kid, like that those are two different things, you know, like most actors, you're either in front of the camera or you're behind it. I mean, for the most part, uh, but in my mind, it was always something I wanted to do. And I always, I don't know where, where the singing live, but I, I think there's always been a desire for me to perform. I've always loved being in front of an audience. I've always just, just loved doing it. I've always felt the desire to do that. So it is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I'm not sure if I prefer one over the other. I don't know if I like singing live more or acting more. As long as I get a chance to perform in some in some way, I think I'm happy. But uh, you were performing yeah, since you were a, you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I was always either singing or 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 you know, if there was a school talent show, I was in it. If there was the school musical, I would go out for the, the part. If there were any opportunity, I could. Yeah. And then I remember when I was a little kid, my parents had a, you know, a little Sony camcorder and I was using that to make movies with my friends. Um, so it very quickly kind of became my, my Sony camcorder. <laughs> I would go off and, you know, so 
yeah, from the youngest age, I've always been finding ways to, to create stuff. So did you, uh, after you graduated from high school, did you go to university or college for an arts degree of some sort? No. So what's interesting is that was the plan. Um, so all through, so basically later elementary school and then all through high school, I was making these films and I had this desire. I was going to be a filmmaker. And then I applied to Ryerson film and York film. And uh, looking back, I should have applied to more places, <laughs> but I applied to those two. And um, I think what they told me was they only accept a small number. But the other thing that I think annoyed me is, is at the time, I don't know if it's probably, it's probably different now, but at the time when you, when you apply, they didn't accept any, any video or film submission in the application process. Oh. And that really th threw me off because at the time I was like, you know, I, I remember I made like a World War II movie with my friends and like I went to army surplus store and I bought like all these uniforms and we'd made, you know, so I was doing that all the time. And then I get this, this application thing and it's like, we accept photography, photos, and we wanted a, I think a, an essay of some kind. And I didn't know anything about photography. And the more I think about it, the more it kind of annoys me because I'm like, photography and film are not the same thing. They're related, right? But they're one, if you can do one, you can't necessarily do the other. Because I think you're, you're focusing on different things. But anyways, so I didn't know anything about that. But I guess, I assume maybe they had that as, as the thing because maybe it was harder to have a video camera in those days. And so what I ended, up, I ended up doing is for the photography part, like my video camera had like this one megapixel camera option on it. So you could like take still photos with this camcorder. And so I just sort of took photos. And uh, anyway, it wasn't very good. So I submitted that, didn't get in. But I did get into York for my marks. So I went and studied like humanities for four years. And then yeah. I, I kind of, yeah, which was fine. I mean, I, my, my parents always wanted me to, to have like a university education. So, I, you know, I went and did that and, 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 and uh, studied that and studied history and philosophy and all that stuff. And uh, I kind of have found my way back into the arts kind of on my own, just going back. But um yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't study film in in university. Looking back, what I should have done is, I think if I was going to do it again, I would just go to like college, like George Brown College, and or or, or you know some something specifically film, and just study from that perspective. But that's uh, eh, okay. I'm kind of figuring it out on my own now. So you mentioned falling back into to the arts. Was that during your university days or after? When was it exactly? So. Well, the, the way I ended up falling back into it, it's a weird thing because like I told you, I always, I always wanted to be either in front of the camera or behind it and ideally both. Right. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. I, I've thought about this a lot, but when you're a kid, you're growing up, you're, the school system is pretty simple. They say, okay, you want to do this. So here's your, or you want to pass. Here's what you have to do. Fill in this assignment, hand it in. We'll give you your grade and then we'll give you your next assignment and then you'll get your next assignment and then when you do enough of those assignments you've passed your grade and now you've graduated and then you're going to go do this assignment right and so i kind of was always just doing that and then when i graduated university or graduated high school and i guess high school is a good time because when i got to university i knew already i wasn't studying something that i was taking me towards my goal of being you know an artist i was kind of just doing this but 
I don't know if maybe there was a part of me that was waiting. Like I didn't know what I was supposed to do. You know, it's like, I have this idea. I want to be an actor, but what do, what do you do to be an actor? You know, who do I, and, and unfortunately, like, I don't know, there was nobody who ever really told me the idea of like, go, like looking back now, what do you do? Well, you, you should probably get an agent. You should probably get some headshots made. You know, you should start submitting yourself for jobs and all that stuff. But I don't know if I was waiting for somebody to tell me that. And so when I ended up getting back into it was, it was just, I was working a fundraising job. You ever see those people in the mall and they're trying to stop you to donate to like sick kids hospital or one of those yeah. things. Yep. So I was doing that for a little while. And while I was walking to the washroom on that, on that shift, somebody stopped me in the thing and was like, do you model? And I was like, no. And like, do you, you could be a model. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was because of that, that I started doing a few modeling jobs. And through there, they also started submitting me to some acting jobs. Cause they were like, Oh, do you do any, you know, do you act at all? And I was like, I, I mean, I, yeah, I studied drama in high school and stuff. And so I've kind of found my way back, but I look back and I'm like, you know, it's, it kind of, but it's one thing that I, I don't know if regrets the right word, but I look back, I'm like, why did I need that to get me back into the one thing I wanted to be doing? You know, it's just a strange anyway. So yeah, I got back into it because, you know, it, it, I luckily that person saw me in the mall, but so you were scouted. Yeah, I guess so. That's amazing. In fact, it, well, and the funny thing about it is they were actually in the end, they I ended up leaving that. They were actually not a, a very good agency, but I won't go into all that story, but, yeah. but they, I do thank them for kind of providing that switch track for me to like go in that direction. Um, so yeah, it did help me get back into it. And then when I got back into film is just cause I just noticed that the technology, like, like I said, I was making films with my parents' video camera, but you know, they always looked like video camera film, films. Like you could never take one of those movies and put it on, on the screens. But then um, a cool thing happened was, you know, DSLR suddenly became digital and they shot video. And I started to see, wow, like you can actually, you can actually do this yourself. You can actually make a movie that's good enough. It looks like the real thing. And so I kind of, again, start it, it it became apparent to me that i could actually create these films and they they wouldn't just look like something somebody made in their basement even though they are made in your basement but they look just as good as any other movie and so i was able to get back into it through that way so it's been this weird long-winded way that um i wish i was more direct but you know it is what it is did you end up uh, getting any any like training and, uh, as a filmmaker or actor or any of that after uh, after university? Uh, for filmmaking, no. But nowadays, like YouTube is a, is is a such a, like anything you want to learn about filmmaking, it's it's out there. Like you can learn, you know. Like I remember in high school, there was a we taught there was one class I took a digital, um, digital what was it called? I don't remember what they called it. It wasn't filmmaking class, but there was a filmmaking element in it. And they talked a bit about the three, three point lighting, for example. Um, but all of that's online. So like now if I'm editing something or if I'm, if I'm doing anything and I've never done it before, it's there. So I've taught myself that um, in terms of acting. I mean, I was, my, my high school was an arts high school. So I, I did study drama at, at, there for four years. Um, so I, I did do a couple like acting workshops since I've graduated um, sp that focus specifically on like uh 
how to audition and uh you know uh preparing for you know on camera stuff because my school was more of a drama a theater focused mm -hmm. but other than that i i really have found the best way to learn is you just just doing it you do something and then if it looks terrible you know you know why it looks terrible and you kind of know not to do that again so it's been that's why i figure if i had gone to say if i had studied if i'd gone to film school i probably would have had been able to skip over a lot of the you know mistakes i made you know while working on some of my early films but now i feel like you know i kind of took the long way around but i i you know experience is a good teacher so you still making films nowadays because you have, you have yeah a lot i mean on. it's it's definitely yeah i so i i'm my first film now looking back, i guess it was like was it three years ago now it's so weird now because i feel like this pandemic it just ate to this year Yep. Mm -hmm. like in my mind the pandemic's been going on for like a couple of weeks and i look back i'm like wait wait where'd the year go um but yeah I, I am working on my my second film uh my first one was a few years ago it was a, a sci-fi movie called kessler syndrome and uh that was fun and uh right now i'm working on a horror short and it's another one it should again i'm actually again the, it got eaten by this year but my hope was to have it finished a year ago but you know i was slowly editing it and working on other things and then and then because when the pandemic hit all of the you know film festivals and stuff have well they've gone digital but a lot of them have also just shut down and so i i've kind of put it a bit on the back burner because i mean i know the digital film festivals are cool but there's part of me that my experience with my first film traveling to festivals and going to screens and meeting other filmmakers and all the all the stuff that you do at a festival I feel like I, I really want to wait for that. So my hope is to have the second film done. Actually, by the end of the year would be a good a good goal. Or at the very least, maybe early January. So it's coming along. It's coming and along. And then submit it to the Hellbound Horror Festival. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so I mentioned you have you have a lot going on. So so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your show. Let's sit down with Scott Dion Brown. And your co-host uh, uh, yes. Regina Elena. So how did how did yes. that come about? So it's it's again that's another interesting thing with the, with the sit down. How going back to how I was saying, how I wish I would just if I wanted to do something, I would just go out and and do it. And I even remember at the time that we started the show, I was starting to think of like I'd like to start doing something some live content online. You know, at the time it was podcasts were becoming more popular, and I, I wanted to. It was something that was floating around like, oh, maybe I should start doing some live content on my YouTube channel. And, but I hadn't gotten around to doing it. And then I got a phone call from uh, a lady named Jennifer C who runs the Canada's Top Choice Council. And her, her council is like their, their goal is to like, she, to support arts and stuff. And she was trying to put together this show. And there's a, it's a, there's a studio called MCBN Studios, which is, it's actually like a, it's a Filipino, I guess, cultural channel. Like it's Filipino focused. Um, and she was wanted to put a show on this, on this thing where that she could advertise and also have artists support it. And she needed hosts. So she called me cause she had hired me in the past. She also runs a beauty pageant and she had hired me to MC it several times. And so she called me and said, yeah, Scott, we want you to host the show and you can have guests and stuff. I'm like, okay. And then she's like, and we'll get you this co-host, um, Regine, 
is, I mean, you know, Regine, right? And at the time I knew Regine, like we'd met at a couple events, but we're not, we, we didn't really talk regularly or anything like that. And she even said at the time that, you know, Regine's not sure if she can commit to doing it every week. So it might be, you'll be the main host and maybe you'll rotate co-hosts and stuff. And so we started that show at that studio. And one thing that was interesting is Regine and I hit it off very quickly. We just, I found we had a really good chemistry banter wise. And uh, in the end, I think we both found we really enjoyed doing it. And so that she, the idea of her being a rotating co-host went away very quickly. And so then, so we did the show at that studio for, I guess almost, I guess it was probably a year. I'd have to look back now, but about a year. And that's at one point, that's when you were our guest there, yep. Michael, um, at that studio. And then uh, after about a year, so the way that it worked at that studio is like Jennifer was kind of the sponsor and she was taking care of running the whole show. And, but one thing I, one thing that about that studio that I, even though it was a great studio, the thing I didn't like was I felt limited in the things we could do with the show. And so when it came down to, to t- we were talking whether or not we should renew the contract at that studio or try something new. I kind of suggested, I was like, you know, I have a studio because I also record artists and, and bands, a home studio. And I said, and I've kind of got all the equipment that this studio has at my, at my studio. Plus we could have live bands there. And so we kind of moved onto YouTube and we've kind of been doing it now at my own studio ever since. And uh, now, well, before the pandemic, it was this fun little variety show where we'd have live bands come on and we'd introduce them and they could play live. And we, I really liked it. And then the pandemic hit and now we're, you know, all online, which is, it's good, but it's fun. It's been a fun way to, I look forward to it now. Every Sunday, I get to sit down with my cup of tea and have a fun chat with, you know, some, some interesting person who's creative in some way. And it's just, honestly, I, I, I look forward to it. It's a great way to just start my, my week, start my morning. I just sit down and we just talk sometimes for an hour, sometimes for three hours. And it's just a good, uh, it's a nice sit down. We sit down and chat. Uh, so you mentioned having a studio in your home and recording artists. You have a band? I do, yes. So yeah, I mean, so also in high school around grade 10, uh, me and a few friends started a band called Symphony of Nine. And uh, it was another thing that we just wanted to, it's another one of the things I was doing. We, we started playing shows um, right after we graduated high school. We kind of started playing shows. We were performing. We had these things called spirit assemblies at our high school, which is basically you could audition to be in it. And uh, my band was almost every month we would perform, you know, some cover like an Oasis cover or something by the Beatles. And uh, then we started playing our own music after high school. And we've been, we've, we're still, we haven't played, well, obviously during the pandemic, we haven't played very much, um, but we still get together every now and again and play together. And uh, so throughout that whole experience of being in a band over the years, I also thought, hey, you know, studios are expensive. Studio time is expensive. And so I, I built, I converted my whole parents' basement into a re- recording studio that I've slowly taught myself how to produce music with over the years. Wow. And uh, then it, what's cool about that is it also became another, you know, way to make money as well, because I realized I'd built this studio that I'm using for my own music, but having it there i mean when i'm not producing my own stuff i can bring bands in and they can produce theirs so it's kind of become this whole other 
other thing that I do, which also helped me produce films as well, because there's a huge element of audio to film, right? So, yeah, I also have a recording studio where we do the show. So you 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 record other band, like they rent your space? Yeah, yeah. So actually, nowadays, mo- a lot of the artists I work with now are vocalists. So usually they'll have their own music produced, and I'll just record their vocals and mix it. But yeah, there was a stretch where yeah, my my main uh, most artists were coming through were, were yeah rock bands like indie bands around Toronto and they would come in and uh, I would you know they would record demos with me um, and then for for a couple I'm not can't remember how long it lasted but there was a stretch where I was I was doing shows at the Elma combo um, downtown and I was there they, they they allowed me to start organizing some shows for them so what I would do is I would book bands, and then I would bring them to promote the show. They would come to my studio and we would fi- we would record a song and I'd film a, a video for them. Per- and then they would say, come see us play live at whatever date at the Elma Combo. So they would come to the studio. We produce a little video and then they would play live at the at the show. And so I recorded a lot of bands through that time. And uh, uh, it was a good experience, actually, working with artists. And um, yeah. So nowadays uh, you are on Twitch quite a bit. Were you on Twitch prior to the pandemic? No. I, did I have a Twitch channel? I, I can't remember if I made the Twitch channel. But yeah, so on YouTube, my YouTube content was primarily music, a bit of vlogs. And then at some point, I started doing the odd gaming video. Nothing live, really. Um, but it was the pandemic that really kicked me on to live streaming in that right when it started, it was, I guess, March we were supposed to have a show and, but right at that time, they hadn't even put lockdown restrictions yet. They hadn't said, you know, if you travel, you must quarantine. They hadn't really said any of that yet. Cause there was that, there was that little lull where they weren't sure how they were going to deal with it, but we were supposed to have a guest over and we, so there was this moment where I was like, ah, oh, it's probably fine. Maybe we should just do the show. But in the end I was like, okay, we, for safety, let's just, you know what, let's just not have the show. But it felt weird not doing an episode of the sit down that week. I just felt strange not being live. And so for fun, I just, oh, I'll just jump on and just play a video game. So I jumped online and I played, I played, when did I play the very first one? Might've been Cuphead. I started playing Cuphead online. You're very and good at that. <laughs> Cuphead. It's a fun game. It's Cuphead. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's, um, it's a, side scroller game but the thing that's nice about the game is all the characters in it are hand-drawn animation so it's like it's yeah and it's drawn in the like 19 i want to say 1920s 1930s style like classic cartoon animation and so it's like playing a cartoon it's like you're playing a like a one of those old anyway it's really fun game to play so i started playing that and uh i streamed it that one day and some people showed up and watched people i didn't know just like i guess people who were like cuphead they, they popped in that was fun maybe i'll try it again tomorrow and uh, I played a different game, Brawlhalla, and some different people showed up. And after doing that, I just, uh, I, I thought I'll do it again. And now I've been doing it since the pandemic. I've been streaming Monday to Fridays since every night, basically, for, I guess, what is what are, what are we now, December? So eight eight months? Eight My months. God. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, I've been building this audience, and my YouTube channel has been getting bigger now. So it's uh, it's weird. That's one thing that I... I've been live streaming regularly now. I've got a new audience that tune into the streams. And uh, I think if the, it's probably, I can, 
yeah, it's 100% the case that if there wasn't the pandemic there, I wouldn't be doing any of that probably. So have you gotten weird. to the point of monetization for your, for your channel yet? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And it was all through, it was all through streaming. So at the time, at the time that I started streaming, I had a thousand subscribers, just over a thousand. Wow. And, um, but that wasn't, that was just from, I had put out a couple of videos that got picked up. Like I, I did a cover of the, you know, the Hobbit. Um, there's a, there's a song at the, in the ending credits of the first Hobbit movie. Yeah. Uh, called Song of the Lonely Mountain. And I did a cover of that where I wore a bunch of costumes dressed like the different characters. And um, it got shared by the official Hobbit account. And so, Ow. yeah. So when they shared it, it got, <laughs> it got over like 50,000 views or something. So I got a lot of subscribers from that. And then I also put out a couple, like I, I, I bought a, a Blackberry phone, uh, the Blackberry key one. And I put out a, a video just unboxing it. And then another one talking about the phone and that got another 50,000 views. So wow. a couple videos, pushed me and I got into the over the thousand um, subscriber area. But in order to qualify for monetization, you have to have a certain amount of watch time. And I was never really close to that watch time because I wasn't really posting regularly enough that you that you you get that. Uh, but then when I started streaming and suddenly I had people watching me every night. Yeah, I, I, I actually hit the monetization threshold pretty fast after after streaming. And so yeah, now my, my channels monetized. And it's all thanks to my my streaming buddies tuning in. So it's <laughs> been cool. Amazing. So, uh, so what do you uh, stream on uh, Twitch these days outside of the, the sit down? Yeah. So the main one is, is Brawlhalla, which is like a fighting game. In fact, you came in once, I think, or a couple of times you came in. I, and fought. I think you did, right? Times, for Brawlhalla. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. So Brawlhalla, it's like a fighting game. I mean, it's kind of like Super Smash Brothers. In fact, I think it was made as a competition for Super Smash Brothers, but it's like a free version of the game. And I fell into that just my friend showed it to me and I thought I'd try it. And I just like it. It's just a fun fighting game. And there's like a big community online. So play with them. And then I, I played Cuphead. So I kind of, what I've kind of been doing is Brawlhalla is kind of the staple game where I do that like every other day. And then on the in-between days, I'll do a different game. Sometimes it's a requested game. Like I played through Pokemon Sword, Pokemon Sword, which is a, on Nintendo Switch. I'd never played a Pokemon game my whole life, but I, I played through that whole game. And uh, actually, I just started a game called, I don't know if you've heard of Genshin Impact. Yes, I have. You heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I started that for the first time. And it's another one that's it's very similar to Zelda Breath of the Wild, or at least that's what they say. Although I think it's kind of unique in its own way. But anyway, it's pretty fun and it's got another huge fan base. So it's fun. You know, the thing that's nice is like, I used to love video games when I was a kid. Like I, Nintendo and, and, and 64 and I guess as an adult you kind of don't you don't have time for a lot of that stuff so I kind of I'd fallen out of it and I wasn't really playing games but then when I started doing this it kind of reminded me how much I really love doing it and so now the fact especially now that my channel's monetized it's it's almost an excuse that like well yeah I have to get on and play because you know it's like it's my job it's not really you know <laughs> It's not enough that it is, but it's enough of a justification that like I don't feel bad doing it. And yeah, yeah I love video games. I forgot how much I loved video games. But I'm surprised I haven't seen because yeah. I, I unless you have, I haven't seen Mega Man on there. And I know how big of a Mega Man fan you are. I did do I did do a series on Mega Man Eleven, which is the newest Mega Man game. And uh and uh in fact I love so Mega Man two is my favorite game of all time. Mega Man is my favorite video game character. Um Mega Man 2 was, is, is, in fact, 
Mega Man 11 is basically just a remake of Mega Man 2, really. It's like the same story. It's new characters, new robots, but it's the same story. And I hope they make another one. But so, yeah, I beat, I did a whole series on that, but then I beat the game. So once I beat the game, I kind of, I won't jump on there and really play it again. So it's been a few months now since I played that. So, um, yeah. One thing I haven't done though, like the old Mega Man games were really hard and I've only beat Mega Man 2. So there might be a day, a time when I jump on and try my hand at some of the other classic Mega Man games, um, yeah, I was gonna suggest which would be horrible maybe, to play because they're so maybe. hard to, like, I'll just be dying over and over. Because, yeah, I was just going to say, like, maybe you should play all of them on your, your channel at some point. I would I would assume you're you're relatively good. Yeah, I mean, I tried a bit of Mega Man 1. Yeah, I mean, the thing about those games, games today are easier. Like, they just are. The, you They give you more chances to, to, one, if you die, you don't go all the way to the beginning again. Which, right, like, that's how classic games were. Like, they weren't forgiving. Which is why it's funny, like, you read articles today about, People are saying, "Oh yeah, there should be, there should be, you know, uh, more more easy modes, or it should be easier. You should make the game because people get frustrated because they can't beat it." But then I think back to like when I was a kid, it was normal that you didn't beat a game. Like I had a I had a ton of Nintendo games where it was just I loved the game, but I would I I was never past the third level. I would never ever be past third level, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just normal. You die, you go to the beginning again, and you you start again. So this idea that like it was not a normal thing to beat a game. If you beat a game, it was a huge deal because you probably, you know, um, whereas games today, like even Mega Man 11, I noticed in Mega Man 11, there's this whole store where you can, you can, you pick up items during the game and you can actually go into this item thing and buy additional like E-tanks. E-tanks are things that let you refill your health. But in Mega Man 2, like you had to be very careful when you use your E-tanks because there's a set number of them. If you find one, you got to make sure, okay, you should save these E-tanks. Make sure you get past this hard part without using any E-tanks because you're going to need that E-tank to beat the last boss. And if you don't have enough E-tanks, well, you can't beat it, you know? Whereas in this new Mega Man 11, it's like, well, I'll just buy 10 E-tanks. And so now I'll, I, you know, oh, it's hard. I'll just buy more E-tanks, you know? So it's, um, yeah. So if I go back to play Mega Man 1, uh, it's, it's going to be a painful stream. But you know, <laughs> I don't know. It builds character. Kids today don't know. <laughs> Kids these days. So you are streaming uh, Among Us, right? Every Thursday now? How's that going? Yes. Yeah. yeah that game's fun. Of our listeners I mean, the ki- play Among Us. Oh, nice. Yeah. Among Us, you know what's the cool, cool thing about Among Us is, one, I like that it's, um, like the graphic, it's not about graphics at all. It's just a, I mean, it's, it's a very basic looking game. But it's almost not even the video game aspect is secondary. It's uh, it's much more like a. It's much more about the interaction you have, with, with people. You know what I mean? It's more like playing a game of, like Clue or something. It's got more of that. And the weird thing about Among Us too is it's not. Uh, I've played it online where you just go on and play with random people and there's no voice chat. I don't really like it at all. Like I don't. I, I find for me the interesting part about Among Us is when you're speaking to somebody and you're trying to tell if that person is lying to you or not. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to tell and you're trying to deceive people. Like for me, that's it's almost not a video game. It's a it's a it's a I don't know. It's what, like what a it par- it's, it's like a, a party game where you're 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 basically yeah, yeah exactly. like you're it, the interaction is more important than the actual game 
itself, which is also why I can't play Among Us because I can't lie. Like it, it just shows yeah. well, in my face. It, yeah. it, a very expressive face, and it just shows in my face. So like I'll watch other people play Among Us and I'll laugh and I'll be like, because you can kind depending on who you're watching, you can kind of see like who the imposter is or whatever. So you're just kind of like, oh, I saw that. Oh, that's great. But then at the same time, I have to be like, Jenny, you can't, people can still see you. You have to not give it away. But yeah, I I love those. I wish I could play those games. I wish I could play video games. I'm not very good at yeah, them. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Among Us is weird because you, you, you learn a lot about yourself. Like I noticed, for example, so the first few games I played, I wasn't the imposter. So I'm just like, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. And then suddenly you, you're, you are imposter. And then you suddenly feel like, I remember the first time I was imposter, like I actually felt myself like warm, like warming up. Like yeah. and you're nervous. Like and you're a like, panic. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. So I'm just trying to be like, I'm trying to act normal. And I can suddenly feel like my voice is different. My voice is different right now. I, I got to change my voice. And so it's so, uh, I don't know. It's more psychological. Like you're, it's not a video game. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a party game. It's a, it's a mind game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cool. Well, if you're if you're still streaming and, it once uh, Star Trek Discovery is over, I'm hopping back on, man. Yes, yeah. In fact, actually, the, in, I haven't tried it yet, but apparently there's a new update with they've added proximity chat. I don't know if you've heard of this. No, I haven't. So yeah, so we've been playing Among Us with voice, like Discord voice chat, but I think now we're not going to have to do that anymore because they've now made it so the chat is audio in the game, but it works based on who's near you so like if you're walking around the halls you bump into somebody you can hear their voice like they're right next to you but the further away they get you can't hear them anymore and then when someone dies you their voice is gone but ghosts can talk to each other so there's a lot more like you you don't you no longer have to mute your mic or anything you can just so you can be walking around with the imposter and they can be talking to you in the halls and you have no idea it's them so it's i think it's a whole other level now has been added to the game so i'm excited to try it i haven't tried it yet so excited Oh my God. It sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So as we're winding down, um, what's, uh, what can we, what can we expect from you in the future? Any plans other than finishing your short film? Yeah. I mean, well, the short film is the one I'm most excited about. Um, I'm, well, I'm excited to get it done. I'm, I'm, I'm actually annoyed. At, I, I've learned a lot during the pandemic that I'm my, my, procrastination skills are top notch and I don't like it at all. Um, but I do want to get that film done and I'm excited about it. It's, it's, it's cool. I mean, the concept of it is that it's not, uh, it's one camera angle the whole time. The camera never moves. And the whole thing, it just focuses on two people who are trapped in a room together during a zombie apocalypse. And it's, so the only cuts, so there are cuts that show time has passed but it's just about these two people trapped in one room. And it's also why it's tough to edit because you can't, uh, if anything, when you're shooting anything in one room, if something moves even a little bit, you notice it, right? Like if the camera was moving around, it's easy. But like, so if, if you know, if this mug is here and then it, it, you nudge it like this, when you cut, you see it move, right? So it's it's basically turned every shot in the, in the film is almost like a special effect shot because I have to like cut stuff out that moves. So anyway, I'm excited to get it done. It's just taking a long time. So film is coming and eventually I want to put out some more music, but again, it's almost like until I finish the film, I I don't want to take on another project, but watch for the film. 
and then there will be music coming. And uh, if you want to see other songs, maybe go to my YouTube channel. I would appreciate that. There's lots of gaming, but there's also lots of music on there as well. What is your YouTube channel? Just so people... Uh, you, uh, yeah, YouTube.com slash Scott Dion Brown. Anything you want to you wanna shout out or mention? Any charities, anything? Uh, yeah, so on the sit down, uh, my co-host, Regine, so she, she actually, you know, another thing she did during the pandemic, she started a business called Deliciousness Treats where she makes hot chocolate bombs, which I never even heard of before she showed me them. But if you don't know what a hot chocolate bomb is, it's like a ball of chocolate. And she has different flavors and you like throw it into, into your mug and then you pour hot milk on it and it, it explodes into like marshmallowy, chocolatey goodness. It's an amazing. Oh, oh yeah, my good. God, that sounds so good. I am hitting yeah, they're, her email. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're wonderful and... Um, they're also entertaining, you know, it's like, it's just got the whole package. So anyway, but so from that, um, uh, the Philippines has been hit pretty bad recently with a lot of flooding. I mean, the pictures, it's, it's just crazy to see how much water is just poured on these areas. And anyway, she's, she's uh, raising money for, if you, I believe it's, if you buy the Milo flavor, all the proceeds from that are going to be going towards, um, the relief efforts um, in the Philippines. So I would like to shout that out because uh, I think it's cool what she's doing. And the chocolate bombs are, are delicious. So you, it's, it's both. You get you get a, you get a delicious warm beverage, and you're doing something good. So awesome. deliciousness treats. Check that out. And Nightingale, we have some Instagrammy stuff. Yes. So back to Among Us. Um, we did ask the audience: Is Scott sus? And 100% said yes. I believe it. You know what's weird? When I, when I first started playing, when I first started playing the game, I wasn't the imposter, but everyone in the chat was like, "Scott sus," and I was like, "So the, what I've noticed, what I've found about myself is that even when I'm not, there's something about the way I speak. Maybe when I'm live streaming, where people thought I was hiding things, and so Ooh. what I've tried to learn now is <laughs> I've tried to like mimic that." even when I am imposter. So it's almost like it kind of plays in my favor, but kind of doesn't. Cause I have found myself getting voted off when I'm not the imposter. I and I'm just trying to be that. like, guys, I literally was just, yeah. yeah I was just I, doing my like tasks. I, I know it was early. It was like one of your first streams, but oh my God, you just yeah. kept getting voted off over and over again. I was like, I, I was wondering if people are just like trolling you cause you're not, you know, you're hosting this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But so yeah, they, they, they're asking if I'm sus and they're saying, yeah, I believe it. It's not my fault. I guess I just have a, it's just how I talk. I'm sorry. Don't, don't vote me off. Don't vote me off. Please, please let me stay. Yeah. As hilarious. a podcaster, what's the typical length of time it takes to edit an episode? And I know it's really different because you do live streaming. So it's a whole different process. Yeah. The, I mean, that's the thing I actually have loved about doing the live content there's there's no there's no for us there's no live there's no editing because we actually do it we do it live so um it was one of the biggest things because producing some of the videos i do on youtube sometimes I'll, I'll spend days editing a video and so it was really hard to produce regular content with that and that's something i think was so appealing when we doing the the sit down is i wake up i turn on my computer and i know i make sure the cameras you know you do some setup but you do the show and it takes exactly the amount of time it takes me to record it is when it's done. Um, 
So it took a lot of time getting it right because you have to make sure, obviously, like we have music play off the top and there's a bunch of things. So I had to do a lot of, there was a lot of setup, you know, several days worth of experimenting of where I need to have everything set. But once you kind of have the machine running, now it's nice that I can just go in, hit stream, we go. And then when I hit stop streaming, it's done. So how much time does it take? In my case, none. Um, it's nice. <laughs> what audio equipment and software do you use? Uh, so for streaming, I use uh, OBS Studio. Um, that's kind of the, it's pretty, I think there's that and one other Streamlabs OBS that people use, but I use OBS Studio. Um, it's free and it's got everything you need. Um, in terms of, since we've been using the pandemic, um, I know a lot of people use Zoom, but Skype has this thing built into it called, I want to say it's called ND, three letters. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But there's this thing that it, it allows you to import every call on Skype as its own individual uh, video track. So if you want to build like split screens and stuff for your stream, it's great for that. And Zoom yet anyway, doesn't have that capability. So I use OBS to stream, Skype to call in guests. And then in terms of hardware, I've got this um, Rode NT1 condenser mic. And I, uh, I got that plugged into a Focusrite Scarlett, a Focusrite Scarlett 2i2. And then that plugs into my computer. And that's pretty much all you need. You just plug mic into the, Focus right, focus right into your computer, and uh, you're good to go. It's actually pretty amazing how little you need now to to start a podcast of your own. So, um, yeah. And final question: Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> I've actually been I've been asked this before, and I thought about it, and I gave a th I thought I thought what actually is the answer? And this is not a it's not a funny answer. I think it's what happened is that some creature evolved that wasn't a chicken or an egg. It was something that didn't require eggs. It was some pre-chicken. It looked like a chicken, but it didn't lay eggs. And then one day, one of those creatures, the egg just popped out. So the egg, because whatever laid the first egg wasn't a chicken, which is a different conclusion than I came to the first time. Yes, the egg. <laughs> yes, it was something. Wow. It was something that was pre-chicken. That's oh what goodness. it is. It's amazing. It was a reptile. Reptiles. Yeah, eggs. yeah. So the eggs came first. That is. Yes. Well, the more... chicken, the chicken egg would have come first. Yes. Yes. Because whatever laid it wasn't a chicken. That is an epic answer. <laughs> Not what like I expected. When it was a non-answer. <laughs> The riddle is solved. It's <laughs> solved today, right here. <laughs> Heard it right. here first. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on our show today. It's it's it was nice to finally have you on our show, especially since I've been on yours twice. So it's nice to yes. have you here. Yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, this was this was great, and, and and on the Christmas special, no less. So. <laughs> you're you're a gift oh, ho, ho. for everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so outside of your YouTube channel, how can people connect with you? Uh, I, get, well, I mean, YouTube is the best place. It's where I have the most fun, but, um, you can also find me on Instagram 
and on Twitter at uh, Scott Dion Brown. Uh, you can also go on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page, Scott Dion Brown. It's all Scott Dion Brown everywhere. Um, but all of those things are, are, are satellites for my YouTube channel. And also, especially in terms of Twitter and Facebook, I, I've, I've been found, I found myself pulling back more and more from those. I don't know. We're, we, we are living kind of in dark times. And I've just found Facebook and Twitter especially are just, if you want to feel more miserable, they're good places to go. So I've just kind of been, I've been finding myself turning them off more and more. So uh, yeah, I have more fun on YouTube. Find me on YouTube, but uh, you can find me on Instagram as well. Scott Dion Brown. All right. Thank you. And uh, now over to you, Janine. Uh, thank oh. you for your crafts and for oh, being no here with us today. Uh, how can people connect with you? Uh, well, I would like to, if, if I may, I would like to plug my podcast, please, which is just so much fun. Um, you can find us at the Um, and you can find me on, I, I, as much as there is a lot of doom and gloom, I really like Twitter. Uh, so you can find me at J J9, nine J9 underscore lives or lives. It's really lives. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's uh, that's no. it. <laughs> I do agree. You're you are right. You are right. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, Twitter is also pretty cool and then I still look at it a lot, but I find I've just I've just found I've noticed in my own behavior I've been on it less is all. That's all. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fine. No, that's I've been on fair. it more for lately. Usually like for a while I was not a part of it and all of a sudden I'm back. So I guess yeah. maybe it's like an ebb and flow type of thing. Yeah. I find myself yeah, specific, just uh, going to my specific people's accounts as opposed to like just reading like a feed i, I know you know yeah I go to all my friends and then i post whatever i need to post and i get off that's that's pretty much it these days i think that's good you know because you know what it is i think also they're they're increasingly like it used to be what you see on your timeline was who you're following in a chronological order mm-hmm. and they've been pushing further like they're they're it's been pushing more towards we're going to show you what we want to show you you know yeah which is yeah so you're gonna start yeah anyway it's just it's just slightly slightly bugs me but but again depending who you choose to follow you, you can still you know build communities and and connect with a lot of cool people so i don't you know i'm not against it or anything but it's uh be more wary of it people that's all i guess nightingale what is our food feature again today Again, we are showcasing Big Trio Wonton Noodle with four locations at Richmond Hill, Unionville, Scarborough, and upcoming in Aurora. Today, we are featuring the Richmond Hill location located at 9688 Leslie Street, Unit 1718. Thank you for that. Um, Listeners, as we said at the top of the show, we are still in the second wave, but it, it doesn't mean we cannot have a wonderful Christmas. Christmas... And the holidays is a time for everyone to, you know, connect with your family and your friends. And with the technology that we have today, we can easily connect with everyone. So have a good and safe Christmas. Now, Nightingale, how can people find you online? Y'all can find me on Instagram at night.win. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at Michael C.W. Chan. You can also find me on my website at michaelchan.ca. Listeners, as always... Stay safe and stay, stay hungry. 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 Woo. Merry Christmas. 
Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. This has been Talking With Our Mouthsful with Michael Chan and Nightingale Nguyen. Music by Harrison Amer, crafts by Janine Cantrell, photography by E, and voiceovers by me, Jessica Chan. If you enjoy our adventures, please consider following or subscribing to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Want to connect with us? Maybe even participate in our podcast? Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at, at TWMF Podcast. And as always, stay hungry.